And we are rocking, we are rolling, you wouldn't get it, is back for episode 14. We're getting up there in numbers a little bit, so I had to double check, make sure that I was going to be right on that number, but it is episode 14, and it's, uh, it's going to be a good one. Easton's fired up, I'm fired up, everybody's fired up, we got some good topics to discuss today, so Easton, as you always do so eloquently, please take it away. I appreciate that, Christian. A little backhanded compliment, I feel like, but nonetheless, yes, another great episode. Got my coffee right here, so you know it's going to be a good one if that happens. Um, A little bit of a a switch up on how we normally run this, so we're actually going to go with, I guess you could call it a movie review today, and when I say movie review, we're going to review the movie as a movie and as the implications that come with this movie. So, that movie, being Borat 2, just came out. It's on Amazon. Uh, If you have Amazon Prime, it's free. You can watch it if you've seen the first one, which was hilarious. I highly recommend you watch the second one. This one, however, Christian, took a bit of a turn. Uh, While it was still the, the great humor the first one was, we got a little political in this one and it, and a little disturbing at the same time. So where are we start in this? I mean, of all the places, there's a lot of places. Where do we start this? Um, my name is Bart and I replaced Christian today on podcast. Very nice. <laughs> you're you're oh, grounded. No. Oh, God. Um, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of places we could we could go with this. So the, this... This movie, compared to the first one, they're both political in their own right, but this one was much more outwardly impactful, considering we have probably one of the most important elections of all time coming up, and also how that tied in with this movie. So like you did said, who even knows where to start with this? But I guess where we can just start is a general overview of the movie, maybe some of your favorite parts, um, some of my favorite parts, and then from there... The discussion will widen out. So this this movie shared a lot of these similar, I guess you could say, the the shock comedic value of the first one. So the first one was so infamous for having that dark humor, having that Borat character who, and Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius for this, he wasn't going to shy away from anything. And this movie st- stood up to the first one in that sense. You can say you like one more than the other for a lot of different reasons. But if we're just looking at it from a humor, comedic standpoint, the same jokes, the same kind of tone, it was set. And honestly, there were some moments in this one that were laugh out loud to an extent, even maybe more so than the first one. Yeah, and I would I would agree with you that the first and second one, they're very similar. There's going to be a group of people that like the first a lot more than the second. Um may or may not have to do with some political leanings. Like we said before, <laughs> they're both political in their own sense, but this second one really kind of hones in on the the upcoming election and some of the candidates running. Um, I won't spoil it too much, but I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, the, again, same type of just twisted humor. Yeah. The daughter's coming along in this one. We got Bo Rat and his daughter take, <laughs> taken to the USA. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, and 
political jokes that were made in this. Again, and this is coming from someone who, you know, my undergraduate was in political science. So for the most part, I get this stuff. But I feel like it appealed to even people with like very minimal political knowledge. Like you just had to know little things and and headline stories here and there to to kind of get the jokes that were being said. And man, this guy is just a straight up genius. Like the he's genius and he's got a set of balls on him for doing a lot <laughs> he's of rotten. stunts. He a is lot rotten. Of, oh, he's very we rotten. A lot of the stunts he did were they were rotten, but they were very good. Um and I actually looked back to the first movie. This is just goes to show you the genius he is and and understanding mm-hmm. you know the content he's putting out and the possible implications so through the first movie he faced eight major lawsuits and he beat every single one of them and if you watch this second movie one common thing that's going to be on your mind the whole time is how many damn lawsuits is this guy going to be in after this movie comes out and i have a feeling it might be a lot although we'll come back to this later because i do have on the on the big one that we'll get to, I don't think there'll actually be a lawsuit. But what's the thought? Okay, okay. So it, it's funny you do bring that up because that is that's very true. And the whole idea of the lawsuits in general, it's because you watch this movie, and if you are not familiar with Borat at all, you think, oh, this is staged. This is completely staged. Like this is just scripted. Well, no, the reality is it's it's not scripted. And that's what makes these movies, especially the second one, so shocking because he has a way of revealing a side of America and a side of our country that people don't actually believe exists. But you see it oh so well in this movie. It, it does exist. And I don't know what scene you're referencing, but one of them that comes to mind that I'm going to talk about early on. And I guess I think it's best that I put a uh, spoiler alert right now. If you yeah. really plan on watching, because we're going to be talking about specific scenes throughout this whole episode, but there is a spoiler alert in effect right now. If you really plan on watching this or whatever, don't keep listening, come back to it after we watch it. So the, the scene that comes up to me, and there are so many in this movie. It's the scene with the QAnon conspiracy theorists <laughs> where Sasha Baron Cohen said he lived with them for four to five days and had to stay in disguise. Now, there's a couple different angles you can look at this. Honestly, on one side of it, the, the fact that they brought in a, a foreign man who was very, very different from them. Um, and had many different beliefs and was obviously, yeah, like I said, very different from anything they stood for. It's a little bit wholesome in that sense when you look at it there because they were generally pretty accepting. And then you even did have the uh, the part where the QAnon conspiracy theorists um, said that in this country we're very accepting of women's rights and stuff like that. But <laughs> then for the most part, you, you twist it over a little bit and you have these – QAnon conspiracy theorists who actually believe some of these crazy outlandish things that they're talking about during this set of scenes um, with Borat. And, and that, like I said, the fact that there are people in this country that believe these things and that preach them and live by them, it's scary. It, it's a little bit unnerving. <laughs> it, it is scary. And, you know, weirdly enough, throughout the movie, you kind of get to like those characters. Now, I, on the political spectrum and the conspiracies they believe in, 
completely disagree with them. I think they're absolute idiots for the stuff that they think. But there's just this weird way that that what's Sasha? What's his last name? Yeah, Sasha uh, Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah. That he gets us to kind of root for them. They're like the yeah. good guys in this movie, which is bizarre, but. Yeah, again, like you were saying, you know, they sit there and talk for a while. The one of them is fully bought into the whole, you know, Hillary Clinton killing children and drinking their blood conspiracy. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. And the other thing that's interesting about all this is just how perfectly the timeline worked out for the filming of this movie. So you have yes. the start of quarantine going down right when Borat goes out. And is yes. like, you know, looking for these people. So he coincidentally gets brought into this house right at the beginning of quarantine um, mm -hmm. or at sometime during quarantine, at least. Yeah. And it just makes the, the scene all the better because, you know, yes. obviously you have they're a part of the group of people that's very, you know, COVID's a, a conspiracy. It's not real. It's a hoax. And it's just I don't know. It's funny. The timeline was just perfect for how it played out. and and. The fact that they were able to legitimately tie it into the end of the movie to kind of actually give it some sort of narrative is, is funny enough. But then, yeah, going back to these two conspiracy theorists, when they're at the rally and Borat gets up on stage and he's singing the song that he wrote. Oh um, I, what, what was it that everyone started chanting? It's, it's leaving that, my mind. So right there, there, there were three things. And to the audience listening, I am absolutely just quoting these things from the movie. Yes. Yeah. yes. These are by no means what what I think. But so the first one was there was some hateful Obama slurs. Oh, yeah, um, but they they chanted, chop them up like the Saudis do. And for yeah. the song, they were referencing different groups. So, for example, one of them was scientists. So he would sing uh -huh. something about scientists and then the crowd would chant, chop them up like the Saudis do. Yes. Um, there was burn them like the, uh, burn them like Jews or something. And uh, then, yeah, and then there's the line, Obama, what you going to do? Inject him with the Wuhan flu. That's the one. Inject him with the Wuhan <laughs> flu. Inject him with the Wuhan flu. So, I mean, Easton, Easton said it. Yeah. These people. This is all right from the movie. These are, these are quoted right from the movie. And these are things that people believe people well, and people embrace. They, they embrace them because in the one scene, you have the, the camera that kind of switches over to the crowd and you have two people like hold up the, the Nazi hail, the hail Hitler sign. And it's yeah. like, what on earth am I watching? But it's just to me insane that he somehow was able to get in that position where he's singing in front of this group of just radical, radical people. Mm -hmm. And they are all going completely along with it. And just knowing that he is 100% joking about it and just yes. exposing them, and they have not even the first clue of what's going on is hilarious to me. And I, you know, I really want to know, because like you were saying earlier, some people would think a lot of this is scripted. I watched the first movie quite a while ago, and I only watched it once, actually. Yeah. So when I was watching this one, there were a few of the parts where I was like, yeah, that's got to be, you know, they got to be acting this out. Uh-huh. And no, I, you know, lo and behold, you look them up later, and the majority of these scenes are not scripted out. Um, 
And I really wonder what these people think when they go back and see that they're in this movie just being made mockery of. So I read it yesterday. Probably the most redeemable, actually, I'd say by far the most redeemable character from the movie is the babysitter. Um, I forget what her name is, but she um, takes Tutar, who is Borat's daughter, in and takes care of her. And basically, Tutar plays up, the actress plays up the idea that this third world country has all these crazy, crazy sets of beliefs. And she was raised to believe a certain set of beliefs and that she's not important because she's a woman. And the babysitters basically tries to change those beliefs and build up Tutar's self-confidence through this. I read that she was told that she was in a documentary about third world countries and the beliefs that differ there. And she was actually, she was shocked when she found out it was a comedic satire. And she didn't, yeah, I will say like she didn't know how to feel about that because she truly believed that she was involved in this third world country documentary. Yeah, well, and I mean, I can't think that she's too upset about it because in the movie, you know, she gets portrayed as a really nice person and and kind of helps, you know, like you said, Tutar, who she walks around with this manual that tells her like how women live in Kazakhstan, which which is very, very satirical, not Uh at all correct, but it's hilarious. And she kind of like talks her out of that, which is you know, part of the plot of the movie. So Mm -hmm. it's just insane to me how all of this worked out to make like the perfect story. Like this all flowed so well that the whole plot, the whole theme of the movie just lined up spot on. And, you know, how they made that work is, is really bizarre. And to touch on what you said, I believe that's what they told the majority of people that that's Mm -hmm. what they were filming. And I think that was actually similar to what they used in the first one. And a lot of the reason that they get consent from these people to have them um, on the film. Well, okay, let's let's look at the flip side of this. Now, there are many different instances throughout the movie. We've already talked about a couple where you're like, there are people like this. Well, some of the smaller ones that could be glanced over. First one that comes to mind when Borat was he was getting a cake for was it? Michael Pence or who was he getting a cake for he was getting the cake for Pence to deliver as a gift with his daughter and basically came into this um the cake shop wherever they had the woman who makes these cakes bake some writes whatever on them that you want what what was the exact um writing that he asked for so and real quick just to get people up to speed if you are still listening and you don't care about the spoiler alert yeah the the idea of this movie is that kazakhstan's giving borat a second chance so he goes to america and he's supposed to deliver a monkey who stars in pornographic films (laughs) to the vice president um as a gift because they want to get kazakhstan on good terms with donald trump and his administration (laughs) and so his daughter eats the monkey And she is now the new gift that they're going to give Michael Pence. Um, So, yeah, on the the cake, it says something like something about um, 
it's it's Jewish slander, basically. They're yes. it, very it, as, heavy Jewish slander. Yeah, if you've seen Borat, you know that the whole concept is that the Kazakhstan people hate the Jews. Of course, it's satirical and not again, not at all true. But yes, on the cake, he had the woman write some sort of Jewish slander. Uh, yes. And when you're watching this, you're thinking how like there's no hesitation. He says, hey, can you write this very, very anti-Semitic thing on this cake? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And she just does it. Yeah. She just writes it. Not even a hesitation. And there are other movie points in the movie throughout, like when he's in the uh, uh, he's in some kind of store and he's asking the owner of the store what gas can will enable him to kill the most or gas the most gypsies or Jews. And the guy responds like point blank. He's like, oh, yeah, if you're looking to do that, you're going to want the bigger one. And like, you go on. You got it. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. The guy responds. Because originally Borat was going to buy a smaller gas can and the guy actually convinces him to buy a larger gas can because it will be able to exterminate more Jews. This guy talks him into that, into buying that for that purpose, which is so, absurd. Yeah, we talked about the, the wholesome aspect of it, but there are these small scenes throughout this movie that are so alarming. Like you laugh at them because it's satirical, but... Then you, you kind of, when you think about it a little bit more, you realize how truly dark it is because he's exposing people who just, who are, are completely racist in every sense of the word. These are horrible people and they don't care about the morality of this. They're just, they're living by their own viewpoints that, like I said, people don't believe that people in this country have, but as this movie has shown, there are plenty of people in this country that have these viewpoints. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the cake one, the cake one, I can somewhat understand because, you know, I don't know what state it was being filmed in, but there are some laws to where, um, especially with the whole debacle of um, uh -huh. a couple of years back when there were the, the gay couple that they were trying to get, you know, some cake designer to put two a gay couple on their wedding cake and she refused to do it obviously ended up going up to the supreme court so some states do have the laws where you basically just have to respect whatever you know the person is wanting on their cake their food design whatever but the mm -hmm. store one he is he's openly telling that owner that he's going to use the gas cans to to exterminate a type of human being which is absolutely illegal and if you tell someone that they should 100 percent call the police which he didn't he ended up selling him a bigger one so it's well, just and, insane and another another example of a scene like this when you okay so borat like easton mentioned is trying to give tutar his daughter to michael pence as a gift and he thinks a, a better, more efficient way of accomplishing this is by having Tutar go to a plastic surgeon and have breast enhancement surgery. And basically, in a scene, they sit down with the plastic surgeon and, and they're just they're fucking around with him. And basically, she's like saying something along the lines of, would you have sex attack with me, as they say, sex attack. And the plastic surgeon is like, 
it says something along the lines of, like, yeah, who wouldn't like to, but your dad's right there, so I can't do anything like that. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and keeping in mind that it beforehand was disclosed that she was under the age of 18. And not, in real life, she was over the age of 18. But when this is being filmed, she's portrayed as a 15-year-old girl. And that's what, when they film all these scenes, she is in the role of a 15-year-old girl, which is why, you know, Borat is in there with her because she's under the age and she can't technically make, she can't sign off on that by herself. And yeah, the guy straight up says that, yes, I would, you know, I would have sex with you if your dad was not in the room, which is just, I like, even if she was of age, who on earth says that with with someone's dad right there uh, well i don't know dark it just dark there's people. some sick people in this world. and you sick. know what it's, while we're on this i'm gonna have my rant of the day right here go to oh all, yeah get the, grab the popcorn let's go to, to everyone who consistently comes to myself or to other people and says listen i i get that there's logic coming from more liberal people and then there's logic coming from more conservative people but the they're just a crowd of radical liberals that is it's so radical and so loud that it's overwhelming and it's you know taking over the overall thought of how that party looks at things if you don't think that that radical ideology exists on the far right as well and People, a lot of people understand that this exists, but they say it's just a very, very small minority that it's, you know, not to the significance of the crazy lefties, quote unquote. I mean, good Lord, watch this movie because they are loud and they are relevant. If you don't think this crowd of people exist, they exist and they exist in large, large numbers. Uh huh. And we've talked about it on the podcast before, so I won't dive too far into it, but you do have this this semblance of a far left on social media who has become very, very loud in this Donald Trump era. And I think that is what a lot of people attribute this, um, I guess you could say, radical left behavior to. And, and look, we, we get it. We've talked about this before. It can be very condescending and very annoying to see these people just discredit everything that people say. But like Easton said, watch this movie to see an example of the other side because they do exist. Crazy people exist everywhere on every set of the spectrum. It doesn't matter politically. There are crazy people in this world and this movie portrays that to a T and it does so such a good job of doing that. And there are some major scenes throughout the movie now that kind of tie in more so with the actual theme of it that I think we should get on to yep. discussing. Yeah. So the, I guess one of them, we'll save the major, major one for one of the last things. But one of them is when Borat actually, and this is in real life, goes to a um, conservative, I, I think it was like, it wasn't a rally, but it was a... The Mike Pence one, are you talking Yeah, about? the Mike Pence. Yeah, so it was it was CPAC. The, it's the, CPAC, it's yeah. a conservative convention that they have. Um, yeah where a bunch of different conservative groups come and speak, and then they usually have one kind of keynote speaker, which was Michael Pence in this instance. Uh -huh. And I keep calling him, I usually say Mike Pence, but Borat's really changed me. <laughs> Mike it's L. now Michael Pence. It's now <laughs> Mike L. Pence. Yes. So uh, throughout this scene, Borat goes undercover, disguises himself as Donald Trump, 
tries to sell off his daughter to Michael Pence um, in, in this huge crowd. And this is all happening in, in real time. Like this legitimately happened. He was escorted out. And <laughs> it's it's funny to think of the people that were here at this time seeing this guy dressed up in, in a pretty legitimate Donald Trump costume slash disguise saying these things. So this scene was just shocking in the sense that this is real life. Like this movie is happening in real time. It is tying into the realities of what we're experiencing nowadays. Yeah. And to kind of explain better how much effort he put into this, I actually read an article Uh on this scene afterwards and it said that he was having so much trouble getting into the convention (laughs) <laughs> that he actually so in the movie he goes in the bathroom and changes into his uh his Donald Trump costume which he actually did but apparently he waited in that bathroom for 5 hours until mm-hmm. it was cleared out and he had an open shot to go into the convention and he knew he had to get there early cuz Michael Pence was obviously the last I believe he was the last speaker one of the last at least And so he finally, after five hours of sitting in a bathroom, sneaks in this convention and then, yeah, just totally disrupts the thing. He goes in there yelling, Michael Pennis, um, (laughs) gets a bunch of attention. And then it was actually, uh, why am I blanking on their name? Uh, Presidential Security. uh, Come on, help me out, Barzi. What what are you talking about the, here? The presidential security guards, uh, the Secret Service. Secret Service. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Secret Service. Yeah. Had a okay. brain fart. Yeah. The Secret yeah. Service was actually the one who escorted him out. So yes, he was not just making a small scene here. There, you know, people were very pissed off about this, and you know, Mike Pence stops his speech and looks up and gets all angry, and it, it was funny. It was well. This scene was very indicative of the rest of the movie and the political figures that would continue to tie in throughout the movie. And, and the major one that's been reported over all the social media outlets that was reported before the movie actually was um, released on Amazon prime. And this is, this is probably the, the pinnacle of this movie and the idea that it represents is the whole encounter with Rudy Giuliani. Easton, you want to discuss this? Take it away. Oh yeah. So, After an unsuccessful offering to Mike Pence at the convention, you know, uh, the whole goal was to deliver his daughter and that cake to Mike Pence, um, which they were unsuccessful with. So then he goes back to the UPS store where he was sending faxes back to Kazakhstan to their leader. And (laughs) the guy basically says that you're, you know, going to be sentenced to death when you get back. And he said, and so they go driving him and his daughter and then his daughter's trying to look up different people that she could be offered to and they go through a few of them and they're all donald trump buddies that are currently in jail um so so then they finally land on rudy giuliani the donald trump's lawyer big supporter he's you know all over fox news and so they flip the car around they say can we offer uh to tar up to rudy giuliani will that be acceptable and they fax him back and say yes that'll work so the new goal (laughs) is to deliver her to rudy giuliani so somehow somehow they set this up to where the daughter to tar is a reporter 
for a news organization called, I think it was like the Patriot Review or something like that, a fake conservative <laughs> news organization. Rudy Giuliani agrees to do a person-to-person interview with Tutar. So they actually, he actually thinks he's getting interviewed by a conservative news organization. And it's at a hotel. And so they come in, they start the interview. I will say, I mean, she kind of tees him up. She, you know, says Mm -hmm. he's a great guy and her idol and, you know, mixes in a few leg taps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he's also being noticeably flirty back to her yeah so then borat comes in says there's a problem with the sound there wasn't really a problem with the sound she kicks borat out and then she pretends to be so embarrassed by it that they have to take a break so they take a break they go back um into one of the hotel rooms this was being shot in like a living room area of a suite they go back into a room And she is uh, taking his microphone off. So his microphone's obviously strung up the side of his suit. She takes it off. He pats her on her lower back and asks for her address and phone number. And then proceeds to lean back on the bed. And he claims he was tucking his shirt in. But completely back. Looks to do a tucking motion. But then keeps his hands down his pants. And, you know... Everyone kind of knows what was coming next. They're about to be some dong action, I think. <laughs> and then Borat comes rushing in in an absurd dress and says, take me instead. She's, <laughs> he actually, his quote was, she's only 15. She's too old for you. It's a little, <laughs> little joke in the movie that when you watch it, you'll get it. But I mean, just completely exposed Giuliani for basically actively pursuing you know some sort of sexual encounter with this girl and i mean it was bad like i I watched it over again the second time and i was like that just looks so so horrible on him and this was the scene i was talking about earlier when i said there may actually not be a lawsuit because while everyone would assume, yes, he's obviously pressing charges on them for, you know, maybe defamation or making him look bad in the public eye, whatever. I don't know that he wants to bring attention to this. I think he wants to let this get under the rug and hopefully die off rather than starting a lawsuit, which is going to keep it, you know, in the public eye for some time. What are your thoughts? Well, the big debate surrounding this scene and there's there's always going to be debates around things like this you have people claiming that he was tucking his shirt in this is no big deal you have people saying yeah he was uh he was basically reaching down his pants and trying to get some funny business started well here's the thing that i'd say about this what normal person finds themselves in this situation what person goes into an interview with a reporter finds themselves in a bedroom setting and tries to basically lead on to something more than that. That is, the first of all, the unprofessionalism of it. Second of all, was he aware that she was underage? Because I feel like that was made, was it made clear at some point he, throughout the movie? Here's where I'm confused. So he comes in and yells that she's 15. However, yes. so in in real life, like I said, she's 22, I believe. Yeah. And they were, during the interview, um, drinking. So they both, it looked like, had a a glass of whiskey or something of a sort. So it looks like they both have alcoholic beverages, which 
you know, I guess if there's one point of defense with him, it's that he would probably take that so that she's over the age of 18. Regardless of that, though, it, and, re, and like you said. Well, it's a male whole, in power trying to take advantage of a young female reporter. That it, idea right there. Exactly. And, and if you want to make the argument that he was just tucking his shirt in, I will honestly give you that. I don't think that's at all what he was doing, but I'll give you that. The yes. rest of the scene is still horrible. He uh-huh. he goes in there, asks for her address and phone number while he has his hand two inches from her butt yeah. and is very clearly trying to lead something on there. And, you know, to me, it was just so disturbing and, and cringe because, you know, he's in his 60s or something like that. He's not a good looking dude. And he knows that realistically... She, as a 22-year-old attractive female, is not going to be interested in in him other than the fact that he's a very powerful man. So, yes, he's absolutely trying to use that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was disturbing. Abuse of power. Super disturbing. And that scene was definitely, I think the word I used for it earlier, was the pinnacle of what this movie came to describe. And it was to describe a side of America that shockingly does exist and the people in power who have kind of conjured up these people to believe they have power in this country when people like that should never have power they should not feel free to speak their mind on things because what they are saying and the things they are speaking are just so out of touch with reality and so horrible and just And that's really what it is. Just horrible uh, is really the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, it is horrible. And looking at the theme that they're kind of trying to expose there was the whole fact of people in this administration have consistently been called out to what we just spoke of, using their power over women to try and get something that they want. Most of the time, that being some sort of sexual deed. And that's absolutely what he was doing in that scene. There's no way you can deny that. You like, you're an absolute fool if you deny that he was trying to get something to happen there. And it speaks to the the people they are. And it's really kind of interesting that we, you know, a lot of people look up to these guys as the people of values. You know, they're conservative, respective people that, and. Rudy Giuliani just had his third divorce in 2019. He's been through three women. You clearly see the creep he is in the movie. And that same, those same accusations have been made for many people in the administration, including Trump himself. So to me, I just don't understand, like, from a base that's so deep in family values, in, you know, being a good person, being a, a loving husband, wife, daughter, son, whatever. These mm-hmm. people do not fit that narrative at all. So I don't know why people keep pretending like they do. Like that, these are not morally good people. And I, it's just as it's simple as that. Like they're not morally no, good people. Not. And the thing is, they pretend to hide behind the facade that they are morally good people. And that's kind of how they get people on board on their bandwagon. And and from there, you can manipulate these people into believing things that either aren't true or believing just absurd lies that 
can then spread further throughout the population. So uh, this movie did a great job of highlighting that in general. And at this point, I think we got to just break it down to the overall, if you, out of a 1 to 10 star rating, what would you give this movie? And what would be some of your final, I guess, comments on the viewing experience and what people should think going into something like this? Sure. So if you're someone who enjoys kind of that cruel humor that just yeah. you know a little bit of nastiness in it which i'll admit i fall in that group i love these types of movies <laughs> you know bull rat the will ferrell movies you, you name it i enjoy this type of humor um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 8.8 .8 on the movie rating Okay. I think it was very well made, the fact that they did all of this basically with one take because, you know, you mm -hmm. can't reshoot things when you're trying to get these live reactions. And they made it so funny while exposing a group of people that, quite frankly, needed to be exposed because just there's not enough people that talk about this group. And it's they're so radical and insane that I think the movie did a great job of that. It had some killer scenes in it, both comedic scenes and, you know, kind of exposing people of power scenes. And I give the guy credit. I, I thought it was very well made, worked out chronologically really well. So I'm going 8.8. 8. 8. 8 point. I, that's, see, that's a good rating. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it an 8.1. I'm going to stick with the 8 rating for the same reasons that you said. It. Not only is it, a very funny movie if you're into the dark humor um but it's also very informational and eye-opening in a lot of ways it, there aren't a lot of movies out there that can teeter on the edge of the darkness of reality but also being so comedic and that's why the two borat movies and sasha baron cohen in general is such a genius because he finds a way of bringing to light these horrible issues by doing it in a very funny way. A very funny way. It, these movies, I've, th these two movies, the two Borat movies, I don't think I've ever found more scenes in a movie where I legitimately laugh out loud. Like, if you are into that kind of humor, you will love these two movies. And, and that's just, that's the bottom line here. And it is genius because a lot of times, you know, the reason these claims get discredited is because people say, Oh, well, it's just people on the left complaining like usual, blah, blah, blah. It's all politics. No, he does this in such a comedic way that it exposes it in a way that everyone can kind of relate to. And whether people choose to accept that relation, you know, so be it. But it's there. I mean, it's absolutely there. Whether mm -hmm. you agree with what he's saying or not. He he exposed that group. I mean, it's the bottom line yes. is he absolutely exposed that group of people. And it was. I'm sure they're going back on it, watching this movie and yeah. thinking, what on earth have we done to ourselves? <laughs> and it's an important movie to watch, especially an important movie to watch within the next week with this election coming up. And on our next episode, we will be discussing the election in depth. And we've said it many times before. We don't. We don't really want to get too political with this show, but at the same time, the election that's coming up is going to be monumental in the history of this country, and it's going to be impactful in so many different ways. And this 
I think this episode ta- discussing Borat is going to be a good segue into that. Yeah, and I mean, just what a brilliant move on the release of this movie. Releasing <laughs> yes. it just weeks before the election so that it has enough time to reach a pretty good base to get to get the discussion in the air. Like, again, this guy is so calculated. People don't realize this, but all of these moves he's making even though they're hilarious, it's all very, very calculated and thought mm-hmm. out. And that's what makes it so impressive to me, honestly. And with that, Easton, yeah. you want to you give us, give yep. us the, uh, the old episode ender that you always have to, and I'm not looking forward to it, although I think I did well today. Yeah, it's the Barzy rating time. And honestly, Barzy, you lucked out today because I've got people like Rudy Giuliani on my mind who are just the sickest of the sick terrible that terrible plan people. all along and, and you know while you are horrible you do not come anywhere near these people <laughs> these these wow fraud fraud morally oh, high you are digging deep these, into keep going up with these, these fraud fake morally high ground people these yeah. fake christians there, you know, and I myself as a person who attends church, that's so fake, this narrative they're putting out. You're just a much better person than Barzi, and that's saying a lot. That's really saying a lot. I'll go ahead and give you a 9-2 today because I've got <laughs> sick, rotten people on my mind. Let's go, baby. Let's go. That's all I need to hear. I'm not going to let you say anymore. We're just going to leave it at that. 9-2. <laughs> um, guys, we really appreciate you tuning in for another episode of You Wouldn't Get It. Like I said, next week we'll, we will be discussing the election. We look forward to it. We hope you guys look forward to it as well. And On Ethan, that got note, something for you. everybody, if you hear this before next week, please, I know it's cliche. I know you hear it all the time. Go do your civic duty, stop at the ballot, put your vote in. Everyone needs to vote. It's important. Whether you think it's stupid or not, whether you don't think it affects you, you don't care, do a little bit of research and go vote. Go vote. And that's what we'll end it with. Guys, we will see you next week. Take care.